Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of Thriller Podcast. Today, we're talking Tim Draper and his $250,000 Bitcoin prediction, Ripple moving its XRP security lawsuit to federal court. And then finally, in the main topic, we're discussing Ethereum, Stellar, and STOs. That's right, security tokens. I'm going to tell you all about it. It's fascinating as f Thriller Podcast, starting now. Gonzalez, broadcasting from Austin, Texas, via SoundCloud and supported by listeners like you. It's time for the news. 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 Thriller with Car Gonzalez. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of Thriller Podcast. Today is November 12, 2018. It's good to have you back this week. <laughs> no, seriously, let's dive into it. So we got Tim Draper predicting his $250,000 Bitcoin prediction. Check this out. I mean, Tim, you've said that in four years, you think in 2022, one Bitcoin is going to be worth uh, 250000 250, So that's a 40x return in the span of four years, <clears throat> you know, fast it will be. Um, do you still stand by that? Oh, yeah. Well, of course, because, um, okay, there are 86 trillion, this is in political dollars, dollars worth of currency out there in the world. Um, we're talking about getting to about 5% market share to get to $250,000. That seems like a drop in the bucket. And all we need to really do is make it so that Bitcoin can be used to buy Starbucks coffee. And all of a sudden, the world just opens up. And then they say, I've got this choice. Do I want... And it's a very simple choice. Do I want a currency that I can take from country to country to country, or do I want one that, that sticks me in one country or one geographic area, and I can't use it anywhere else? Yeah, we know Tim has always been bullish on Bitcoin, and um, you know what? He, he's not wrong. <laughs> I know a lot of people would think I'm crazy, but you know, I don't think he's wrong on that. Uh, definitely listen, and well, actually, I would recommend the Bitcoin Standard. I've downloaded that book. It's an audio book. Um, I think they make it in paper form, but uh, check out that book. That's really good. And it gives you a good uh, primer of how serious Bitcoin will be. And then also I would check out Anthony Pompliano's, um recent podcast that he had uh, called the Ultimate Bitcoin episode, I believe it was. Check those two things out. Like after reading and, and listening to both those things, you understand the importance of Bitcoin in the near future. And I think uh, a lot of people in the space are realizing that I, I know I am realizing it. I've always realized it, but it wasn't until this year that I've really, really come to even realize it even more. Um, yeah. Anyways, next piece of news. So now it looks like Ripple is moving their XRP security lawsuit to federal court. Attorneys call it brilliant. <laughs> That's right. So the lawsuit against Ripple Labs was first brought about by plaintiffs. They're accusing the blockchain company of offering investors an unregistered security product, XRP that has been maliciously manipulated by Ripple in order for them to maximize their profits from the distribution and sale of these tokens. Now, the law firm noted that the merging of the case with an international plaintiff makes it eligible for consolidation to a federal court under the Class Action Fairness Act. 
A punitive class action may be removed to the appropriate federal district court if, one, the action purports to be a class action brought on behalf of 100 or more members, two, any member of a a class of plaintiffs is a citizen of a state different from any defendant, and three, the amount in controversy exceeds $5 million. Now, this move is lauded as brilliant, according to Jake Chavesky, a government enforcement, defense, and securities litigation attorney. He explained that Ripple's legal team showing some tactical brilliance here. It's hard to explain the procedural maneuver in one tweet, and I'm not going to thread this, but suffice to say, it's seriously crafty attempt to go federal. Might not work, but slick regardless. He goes on to say, I can't speak to their odds of winning since the case is still so young, and I don't know all the facts, but it's fair to say Ripple's lawyers think they have better odds of winning in federal court than in state court, or else they wouldn't be trying so hard to remove the case, he said. Wow. I don't know how (laughs) moving a lawsuit to federal court is a good thing, but then again, I'm not an attorney. CFTC chairman, crypto regulation automated with distributed ledger tech. So it seems Christopher John Carlio is a chairman of the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Uh, Everybody calls him Grandpa Crypto or whatever. (laughs) I forget what it was earlier this year when everybody started calling him that. Anyways, he goes on to say that he envisions a day where rule books are digitized and compliance is increasingly automated or built into business operations through smart contracts and regulatory reporting is satisfied through real-time DLT networks. He said the machines here at the CFTC would have the ability to communicate regulatory requirements and consume and analyze the data that comes in through such systems. He goes on to say, we think about market regulation that is powered by data automation and machines. It is easy to fear what this may mean for humans and to be sure, There will be real challenges presented by these technologies, ranging from impacts on labor markets to questions surrounding the explainability of the machine's conclusions or actions and their consistency with existing regulations to the societal impact of big data collection and automating traditionally human processes. Yeah, you know, it kind of makes sense for them to actually get involved with, you know, distributed ledger technology and to seize the day, as they would say, right? Um, Because you never know what kind of new technology is going to come right over the top of you. Or, you know, this could also be a bad thing too as well, because if they don't, they're not secure, you know, I wouldn't be surprised somebody tries to hack them. (laughs) You can't say that car. You can't say that. Yeah, I know. I can't say that. So we're going to get on to interesting video of the day. That's all we got in news today. That's all. That's it. Let's go. Thriller podcast. Interesting crypto video of the day. So it's time for an interesting video of the day. And today's interesting video is uh, Craig Wright and Tone Vase and talking about the whole Bitcoin cash drama that's going down here on the 15th, three days left. And um, yeah, it looks like I think Tone did a really good job. It's like an hour long. Um, and I think he did a really good job. We're going to play a little snippet here. But he really did. Tone really did his homework on Bitcoin cash, man. And you know what? All I got to say is Tone. Thank you for taking one for the team. (laughs) You know, it it was kind of one of those things where I'm not even going to lie. Like I I reached out to Craig. Obviously, he didn't want to come on the show. Um, That's cool. That's fine. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's his own human. Right. Uh, But I'm glad I'm glad that Tone, you know, was able to talk to him and and, kind of grill into him. Right. Uh, 
and you know, I, you know, a lot, of, a lot of us did not want to uh, cover this. I, 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 you know, I'm not saying a lot of us. I'm just saying like, you know, there's a big segment of the crypto space that didn't want to. I mean, we want to know about this stuff, right? But at the same time, we're just like, Ugh, it's a lot. And I know some of you guys hold Bitcoin Cash, and you know, I have some Bitcoin Cash. It's just when it comes to drama and crypto, it just doesn't interest me. But you know, thank God for Tone Vase. When uh, so so you were uh, pretty good friends with Roger Veer and Jihan Wu at one point uh, when uh, around this time last year or a few months. Well, earlier. no, I was never I was never good friends with Jihan. Ah, you were you were always okay. Uh, and um, uh, Jihan goes back a year. The where people say I was never really aligned with ABC, um, and they use that as an attack at the moment. That's correct because. Uh, what I had actually planned was a path to try and um, scale BTC. And um, I didn't want to see it split back then, a year ago. And unfortunately, um, we actually communicated all of this to Jihan, thinking that he was supportive and wanted to scale. And we found that Jihan at the time undermined us all. Um, Jihan actually wanted the, the split. He didn't want a fork, he wanted the split. So part of what happened a year ago with the BDC VCH split was um, Jihan actually needs a form of SegWit and malleability fix that allows for ASIC boost and some of what he's doing for his token platform. So the concept was to make a better Omni. Now that would allow him to have a proof of stake coin running Plasma and effectively being Ethereum version two. Hence why Vitalik's been involved and Joseph Poon and others. Um, so um, at that point, uh, when Jihan undermined our efforts to basically uh, behind the scenes raise the block size and make Bitcoin scale uh, in BTC, um, at that point, I knew that Jihan wasn't really aligned to what we wanted. Gotcha. And um, um, so, so that, that, that's a good little back history. Um, but um, also one more thing, because uh, some of our uh, viewers may not be familiar. Uh, so on Bitcoin Cash, there are multiple developer teams, right? Bitcoin ABC is mm -hmm. one of them. Bitcoin Unlimited is one of them. I'm not sure if Bitcoin XT is still around. Uh, you have mm -hmm. one and chain. Uh, can you just run us through all of the different uh, Bitcoin Cash uh, implementations and um, who uh, are the main developers or the main people driving each of them? Uh, well, that's the wrong way of looking at it. There is the original Bitcoin protocol and anyone can develop on that. Um, if you stay along what the original protocol was and that's what we're actually implementing with SV, um, and you have hash power to, to um, support it, not a problem. Uh, quite frankly, I don't really give a rat's rectum about um, any other developer group as long as they follow the protocol. And if they don't follow the protocol, fuck you. It's very simple. Um, it's not permissionless. There's no such bloody thing as permissionless. It's a soy boy's wet dream because we live in a world of laws. We live in a world of reality. We're not socialist. There's no permissionless because people own things. People have rights on money. So you don't get to change things and break it and experiment and play. So 
as much as people sit there going, we want to develop, you can develop on top of the protocol. No one has a right just to change any version of Bitcoin. You have to convince those with hash power. That simple. Yeah, so, you know, I would say there's a lot there from Craig Wright's point of view that a lot of us just don't agree with. Like, um, you know, and then, of course, there's this whole history of him saying that he was Satoshi Nakamoto. yeah, so uh, you know, thank God for Tone Face <laughs> taking one for the team. I really appreciate it. And <laughs> you know, watch, watch. I'll put a link in the show notes. Make sure to watch it. It's actually really informative. Uh, it shows you the type of personality this guy is. Um, you know, one of the surprising things this past weekend was everybody in crypto chiming off on what they thought about Craig Wright. And one of the people, one of the biggest people in this space, he literally said, and I won't say who it is because I don't want to, you know, out them. And, and you, of course, you can find it on Twitter. Um, they literally said that when they met Craig Wright, they thought he was a sociopath. That's crazy. And this is from somebody who's well-respected in the space saying that about Craig Wright. Yeah, some really crazy stuff. Anyways, with that, let's go ahead and get into our coin talk segment. That's right. We got to we gotta talk about coin. It's a crazy weekend. Let's do it. It is time. Only crypto, coins, trades, predictions ahead. It is what you spend all day wondering, isn't it? This crypto dream. Only on Coin Top. Coin Top. Coin Top. Coin Top. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Coin Talk, y'all's favorite part of the day, my favorite part of the day as well, too. Um, yeah, I got a couple of things to mention. I do want to thank everybody for your continued support. Um, you know, my brother was really touched by a lot of you um, that, that you know, that sent good positive vibes his way. So I appreciate you. Uh, and thanks, John, from Telegram, too, as well. You know, you personally reached out, too, and really appreciate it. Um, and then also I got to mention that we have our, we have our Thanksgiving episode coming up here. Um, yeah, hopefully it'll be recorded this weekend. Um, we might, we actually might have some special guests on. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully they'll come through and it'll be an awesome time, but either way, if you want to get that Thanksgiving special edition of Thor podcast early, make sure to become a Patreon. If you're a patron, then you're gonna, you're gonna get it early. And then finally, Last piece, the last piece, the most important piece. December, we're giving away free crypto. That's right. We're giving away free crypto in December because, yeah, it's the holidays. <laughs> it's the holidays and it's our turn to give back. So if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, you want to make sure you sign up for the newsletter because uh, every person that signs up is going to get some crypto in their stocking stuffer or whatever holiday you celebrate (laughs) so yeah sign up for that it's free doesn't cost you anything there's no hidden catches or anything like that uh but yeah but yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be good times coming up ahead and then let's go ahead and roll our disclaimer because we gotta roll the disclaimer man we don't roll the disclaimer man i feel like they're gonna just come after everybody 
put it in handcuffs, man. You never know. I'm just saying you never know. Roll the disclaimer. Remember, Thriller Podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future. Even if he thinks can, he is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. Oh, right. It's time for coin talk. My favorite part of the day. That's right. Every day I look forward to it. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I think it was my Dracula voice, even though it's no longer Halloween car. It's Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to do that Thanksgiving episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if you don't know what to expect, check out last year's episode of Thanksgiving. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, yeah, it should be fun again this year. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Anyways, let's let's talk about coin cars. Let's talk about coin. Okay, so we're at a total coin market cap at $210 billion right now. Yeah, you know, yeah, could be better. We were at 219 last week, so we dropped nine. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at, okay? But hang on, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. We got Bitcoin at 6,352, down 1%. We got Ethereum at 208, down 1%. We got XRP at 51 cents, up 2%. We got Bitcoin Cash at $500, and or $507, actually, down 4%. We got Stellar at 26 cents, back down to reality. So it was funny. Well, actually, it wasn't funny. It was brilliant. So over the weekend... Um, Stellar got to, I think it touched 29 cents. <laughs> so just an influx of people just entered this space and started buying Stellar. Uh, it was number four, I think, on Binance uh, over the weekend. It was ridiculous. I remember looking at my block folio and I was like, holy shit, what is going on now? What's going on? What's going on? Something's rocketing. Yeah, it was it was nuts. And it overtook EOS. Because EOS is at number six, and now Stellar's at number five. I'm just gonna say one thing, and I was I was in the Stellar subreddit over the weekend, so a lot of people were probably <laughs> getting upset because I was just dropping knowledge bombs left and right, like like Magic Johnson in the '80s with the Lakers, you know, just dropping them right. So a lot of people have this, you know, they think that the inflation in Stellar is a bad thing, and I'll tell you why it's not a bad thing. This is why it's not a bad thing. So when it comes to inflation and it comes to Stellar and XLM, what happens is whenever there's there's fees, but there's very tiny, small little fees, right? So instead of those fees getting burnt like they would any other, um, like I think Tron does that. They, they do like an annual like burning of the token or whatever. Instead of doing something stupid like that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Instead of doing something like that, what Stellar does is it gathers all those fees and then it redistributes it to uh, to a lot of big holders of XLM. So what ended up happening is uh, you have some of these uh, XLM pools that get together and they gather their XLM together and they pull in the resources so they can get their you know cut of XLM that's redistributed when collecting those fees. And what happens every week? New Stellar gets you know you know divvied it out amongst the pools, and that's how you have a you know a Stellar pool right so an inflation pool so um this is all done by the community the community the community the community sets all this stuff these inflation pools up right sdf stellar foundation they get the vast majority of those fees because you know they hold a lot of xlm duh right 
And what they end up doing with those fees is they end up giving those back to, you know, for partnerships or for, you know, what they just had this airdrop with uh, block, blockchain, you know, dot info. So like they ended up they end up using these these fees, these fees, these XLMs that they are getting on a yearly basis, on a weekly basis, actually. And they use them and they get partners with them and other stuff like that. And there's a whole long list of how they redistribute or how they distribute out their XLM. Uh, in the beginning days, um, if you were a Bitcoin holder, you receive an airdrop of XLM. Just different cool stuff like that that they've always done. But as crypto has gotten, you know, more, more, more bigger over time, you have all these new people getting in this space and they, they're left with this assumption that the inflation in Stellar is bad, but it's not bad because all of it's getting redistributed out. It, you know, it's creating more wallets on the network. I think um, I saw a stat earlier. It said something like 400,000 wallets were in, in, in circulation, um, you know, in June of this year. And right now it's currently at like 1.27 million, which is just crazy. The amount of growth Stellar has seen this year. And, you know, I remember talking about Stellar last year and I remember, I remember following this project and, and, you know, a lot of us at the time, um, we all knew, we all knew something big was happening, right? Not just because Jed was a part of the team, but that played a big importance. Uh, it, it, we just knew that this 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 little cryptocurrency with a rocket as its logo was going places, and it was it was always in the back of my mind that I always knew that you know Stellar was going to be the one, right? Or I always I thought Cardano too. I'm not going to lie. If you go back and listen to older podcasts, talk about it a lot. Um, but but I will say though is it's just very it's very cool seeing Stellar make it this far to number five. It's just crazy. Like if. It's just crazy. I remember when he was like 25, 27, 28, 29 on the coin market cap last year. It's just to see it where it is now and how far it's come and who are we going to talk about in the main topic. It's just unbelievable. Um, if, if I know a lot of you just got into crypto this year, if, if you were to see this growth, um, yeah, it's the same way I look at Bitcoin when I see the growth to 6,000. I know some people are like, what's well, not 20,000 car? I know, but you you haven't seen it go from $200 <laughs> to where it is now. Uh, it's it's just unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. Once you once you understand that, you you, you don't take it for granted anymore. You do you do that first time. I'm not going to lie, you do that first time, but you don't anymore. And I'm sure a lot of you will be in this space for a really long time, so you you'll, you'll come to see that as well too. Um I will say one thing, though. Uh, so even even with all that inflation stuff, right, Jed has come out and actually there's a Reddit subreddit or in Stellar subreddit. He actually starts the conversation about getting rid of inflation. Like he's literally openly talking to the community about getting rid of inflation because he knows so many people are upset because it has inflation. I don't think it's an upsetting thing. I, I like the way the, the economics of it all are, 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 are being, are being worked within its own system. Like I like how it, how it works and it helps with adoption. I think in my, like it helps, it helps the network grow. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's even having that open dialogue about it. So the fact that he's willing to listen to the vast majority of the people, that just shows you a lot of where he stands among other, you know, you know, figureheads in different blockchain projects. And a lot of this stuff is not easy. Like it's not easy to go inside the actual protocol and make these changes. Like it's like it's like doing open heart surgery. This is not easy stuff to go and fix after the fact. Um 
So, you know, you, everybody needs to understand that as well, too. You know, they change one thing. You know, it could cause something else to break or it could cause a vulnerability. Um, so this is all very like it's a give and take kind of situation there when it comes to removing big aspects of of, of what makes the stellar core function. Right. So uh, it, it's there's never like, oh, this is better. This is the way to go. It, this stuff is hard. Like it's really hard. And you have to make sure because a, a lot of money we're talking about, you know, five billion dollars coin market cap for Stellar. It's just unbelievable. Right. Like that's a lot of money to screw up. So this is why you, you make slow, small little iterations. And this is why, you know, it wasn't surprising to me that, you know, when we found out the news that. You know, Stellar X was going to be making uh, their their debut in August. I think it was August or September. It was. Uh, it was no surprise to me that that was going to be one of Jed's first things to create. You know, he did start Mount Gox. Like the guy understands exchanges. He understands peer to peer distribution of networks. Like he understands how to grow a network, right? Um, and that stuff is really hard too. This is what I'm saying. Like I feel like the vast majority of people do not realize how hard this stuff is. And if you actually looked, if you actually looked and, 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 and if you saw the progress they have made, you know, from two years ago, you would, you would realize like, holy crap, like they've come a long way. So anyways, get off my soapbox now. But yeah, I just wanted to say that because I, I think it's phenomenal that the fact that everybody is starting to realize that Stellar is, you know, going to be one of those big cryptocurrencies. Um, yeah. And I, shit, I mean, I hate to say we called it, but we called it from a year ago, man. We literally did on this very show, this very topic, or not this topic, this very segment. Uh, it's just crazy. And then, you know, we know what's, what else is what else is fascinating, too, as well, is um, just Ethereum. If you, look, if you look at Ethereum, I mean, we're going to go into the main topic. We're going to talk about a lot of this stuff. But Ethereum has a lot of, have a lot, has a lot of progress. Um, that it's made too as well and where it's going to be here from a year from now. It's it's unbelievable, man. I feel like this this race is becoming very, very, very short. Uh, for the longest time, you know, I've always believed Bitcoin was going to last and I still believe that. Um, now that I see Ethereum ramp up, I, I do believe Ethereum is going to be around and I do believe Stellar is making ground to be that third big blockchain that's going to be around too as well. So if I if I'm if I'm betting right now for the next five years, which three cryptocurrencies or which three blockchains do I think are going to just kind of run away with it? My three that I would pick to hodl long term would be Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Stellar, and those are the ones that I would choose if I was literally thinking long term. Now, don't get me wrong; there's other great you know, blockchain projects in the space. And I'm a big fan of a lot of them. Like, I think everybody's creating really outstanding work now, right? Because everybody's seeing how fast Ethereum is scaling. Everybody's seeing how fast Stellar is moving. Like, this is this is a very tough space, right, to grow in. Um, but I, I will say, like, if I had to go long, if I had to go five years from now, if I had to go to 2023, and I said, you get to pick three blockchains that you get a hodl for that long, for five years, you don't get a touch, I pick Stellar, Bitcoin, and Ethereum, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. Yeah, that's kind of where my mindset is at. This is why it's coin talk, because we get to speculate and we get to make all these great assumptions. But none of this is true. You shouldn't believe me. I don't know anything. I don't know any more than you do. So go out there and do your own research and come up with your own five-year HODL plan, right? 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be very fascinating. And, you know, I'm looking at Cardano right now, it's at seven cents and it pumped as well over the weekend too. We saw, saw it go to eight, I think it touched eight, eight cents. Um, it's fascinating too, because I, I, you know, we know Cardano got pretty high this year, this year, right? But it, it's one of those two, when I see Cardano and it's priced at seven cents, you know, I'm getting that same itch <laughs> that I had with Stellar last year when I saw it at two cents, where I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep buying it, keep buying it at two cents. And, you know, Cardano's becoming one of those now where I keep looking at it. I'm like, just gonna keep buying some more Cardano, keep buying some more, keep buying some more. I'm just going to keep loading it up because I do believe Cardano, uh, if I'm looking at that at this time next year, I feel like the, 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 the price difference uh, of Cardano from seven cents to where it's going to be next year is just going to be, it's just going to be off the charts. Like in, in my opinion, um, I don't. I can't give you a number. I'm not going to do that. But I will say though, like if I'm if I'm if I'm if I'm holding some, you know, some ones that I'm betting long on, like really long on, it would be Cardano. Cardano would definitely be one of them. That's why I'm just adding more. I'm adding more all the time because I do believe Cardano, you know, has, you know, it's going to be tough to beat Ethereum just because of the sheer amount of developers that are already dedicated to creating apps. For Ethereum, but I do know one thing: when it comes to uh, creating blockchain projects, there's very few people in this space that are that are, that are inspiring. Um, and I would humbly say that Charles Hoskinson is probably one of the most inspiring, you know, speakers of any blockchain project in this space. And uh, he, you know, he, the guy can light up a room, and the guy can 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 bring a board a lot of developers i do believe that and i think it takes somebody like him to to make something like a blockchain project like cardano succeed so i think if they have charles hoskinson i think they'll be fine um so yeah it's going to be really cool to see how high and how popular cardano is going to become but i'm betting long on them for sure uh we got tron at two cents we got iota at 49 cents not bad. It's up two percent. We got Dash at one hundred sixty-two dollars. Uh, we got Ethereum Classic at nine bucks. We got uh, Bitcoin Gold at twenty-eight dollars. Omai's Go at three dollars and twenty-one cents. We got Zero X at sixty-six cents. Zero X is another one that I would hold, but you know I'm probably the minority when I say that. Uh, we got Decred at thirty-nine dollars, up twenty percent, up point twenty percent. And for the most part, everything else is down. We got Chainlink up thirteen percent at fifty-seven cents. Got Vermes ATP at three dollars of five percent, and I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. Got yeah, I think that's it. There's really not a lot there going on. A couple alts that are pumping. Um, Funfair making it rise back up. Yeah. Um, one more thing I did want to touch on. So over the weekend we had um, had some family over, and I haven't seen them in some time. And it was weird because and I'm just gonna say this one last thing. It was weird because um, they were talking about cryptocurrency. They wanted me to talk about cryptocurrency. Like I don't talk about it enough already, but they wanted to hear why I thought you know this was going places. So of course I started telling about cryptocurrencies, started telling about bitcoins, started telling about all this stuff and they were fascinated with it and they thought I knew a lot more than I think I do, right? They're like, "Oh man, you know this stuff really well. How do you know this?" And I was like, "Oh, I have a podcast." Like, "Oh my god, you have a podcast." And then, you know, all this stuff are going on before you know it, they're they're fans, right? So what I'm getting at is 
one of the most interesting pieces of information that I got, and this is why I love talking to no coiners. You, if you're if you're somebody that's been in this space for a long time and you and you're listening to this right now, you need to go out there and talk to no coiners. Don't tell them that you hold Bitcoin. Just be coy, right? Just start talking to them about whatever they want to talk about, and then see if they segment into Bitcoin. Like at the Texas Bitcoin Conference, we met some people that were no coiners, and they were talking about Bitcoin, and they were telling me about the different stuff that they use and how they got into it, and just little stuff like that. Well, this was interesting because um, uh, somebody that came over didn't know that uh, what XLM was, what Stellar was, but it was interesting because. Um, they had already signed up to get the free XLM. And I, in my head, I was thinking like, whoa. I was like, this person doesn't know anything about crypto. I mean, they do know the basics. They've heard of it, right? But they're already signing up to get free XLM because they saw it on a on a business watch, you know, blog post or however they saw it, right? However, whatever tech news outlet they heard it from. Free Stellar, 125 million airdrop, right? Um that tells you how remarkable this technology can become once they start giving it away. It really does. Um, and for something like Stellar to stand out above the rest, I think that's why we saw this influx this weekend when it came to Stellar. Because Stellar, the, the reach of that airdrop reached so many different um, news outlets out there this weekend. It got to regular people, like to regular people who don't know, who just know about Bitcoin, but now they know about XLM and Stellar now. And, you know, one of the questions, one of the many questions he was asking me about was about Stellar and about XLM. And once I explained STOs and once I explained what they were trying to do overall, then they were like, holy crap. And that's what we're going to talk about today on our main topic. I'm going to talk about STOs and why they're important to Ethereum and why they're important to Stellar and why it's going to cause it to go boom. Serious. Main topic starting now.
I will say right now, none of this is financial advice. If you're gonna invest in XLM, do so at your own risk, not mine. And above all else, do your own research. Don't trust me, don't trust me. I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. All right, I think that's it. I guess now we can begin. Security tokens are huge right now, and they're going to get bigger. The reasons are plenty, but we'll start with a relatively simple one. Security tokens are backed by real assets, equity, shares, real estate, fixed assets, or commodities, which means that they're subject to securities, regulations, in a number of countries. Scammers hate it. But for a trained and purposeful investor, the fact that pertinent laws protect their portfolio is music to their ears. It's no wonder then why the meteoric rise of Stellar has increased adoption over these past few months. They're key properties of an STO, security token offering platforms, that makes Stellar Networks such an attractive proposition. Take a listen. People are starting to ask about two types of tokens in the crypto world. There's utility and security tokens. And there are many articles starting to appear about these two types of tokens. Now, in February, the Swiss financial regulator, FINMA, issued ICO guidelines for three types of tokens. Payment tokens, utility tokens, and asset tokens. The latter of which can be considered to be the same as what we call security tokens. They define these asset tokens as representing assets such as participation in physical underlying companies, earning streams, or entitlements to dividends or interest payments. So, as we can see, the types of tokens is getting a little confusing. And as we will soon see, there will also be different types of security tokens just to keep things lively. Now, we know from our first segment that one driver towards security tokens has been federal regulators such as the SEC. But how does someone know if a security token or investment is a security? Well, the SEC went to the Supreme Court to define this issue. Anil, can you tell us about what they call the Howey test and how that works? Yeah, it is. It's actually a pretty old test, 1946. And it really, I mean, again, you have to apply common sense. You know, if you are making an investment and your expectation is to have derived profit in what they call a common enterprise, and that's from the efforts of third parties, typically founders, management, then really you're investing in a security and the, and the companies that you're investing in is issuing a security and therefore it needs to be treated as a security under Securities Act. That's really sort of the common sense test that you would need to apply to any such offering. Great, super helpful. So let's take, look, let's take a look at what two vendors are saying about security tokens. Polymath, they say simply calling your security a utility token doesn't mean it's not a security. So Alan, what do you think about that? I think that's exactly... Exactly right. I think that you really have to look at what the the rights and the privileges and the obligations that are inherent in the token are, how it's being sold, uh, and what it's being marketed for, not the way that it is characterized. And I think you you used the the Swiss guidance as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Swiss guidance. There's guidance from Gibraltar and also now from Singapore uh, that are beginning to flesh out what each of these tokens mean. And so I think you re- you really have to look at 
what is the token, what does it represent, not just what, it's, what is it called. Yeah, uh, yeah Adam has something. You know, I, I'm just thinking there could be a lot of confusion on this point because we're, we're, yeah. there, are, there are tokens that we are going to design, have been designed, that we think of as a traditional security. In other words, it gives you a right to either ownership in a company or ownership to profits. Um, it is meant to be um, a participation in an enterprise run mm -hmm. by somebody else. The DAO was one of these things, right? right? Um, and there's no question whether or not it's a security, and, and I guess this is group number three on the Swiss list. Uh -huh. uh, the, but what, what, what's happened is, in many ways, because of concern for regulatory uh, constraints and enforcement. People have said, oh, you know what, let's not, let's not do that. Uh, or, and also because, frankly, it's hard to do. Let's, also, let's just make it a payment, let's make it something else. Um, and what's happened is now we're saying, because of the way that it's been offered, um, you are giving a reasonable expectation of profit based on the efforts of the, uh, of the common enterprise, of the business mm -hmm. people that are going to be building out the platform as much you want it to do. Um, and, and because of that, it's a security. Because of that, it's an investment contract. But these are very different things. Yes. Um, and I think one interesting thing that we're starting to see happen is perhaps a movement back into the idea of, well, as long as we're going to reg get regulated anyways, this is a security. Maybe we can actually uh, do what we wanted to do in the first place uh, and really involve a community in both uh, the technical operation of the platform and the proceeds of the platform. Interesting. Um, to, to sort of socialize. I mean, that was one of the great sort of promises of um, the DAO and other efforts like that. Uh, and, and it helps also to separate, in our minds, the difference between something that is engineered so that we participate in the corporation's efforts or the team's efforts mm -hmm. in making a profit or whatever it's doing versus something that says, you know, this is just another payment token, right. but because of the way that I'm pitching it to you, the SEC is going to consider an investment contract and therefore security. Yeah, it's interesting. It's still shaking out, but there are these this this ac democratized access to participation. Ironically, almost becomes more possible now that everybody's sort of resigned themselves to compliance. I think that's it's, right. That's interesting. Yeah. But his his point is actually very important because I think a lot of people are just looking at the tokens and deciding, oh, are these securities or utilities? You know, I've, mm -hmm. I've never liked that distinction. I've always thought that they were separate terms. Like, does it have utility mm -hmm. and is it also security? But then the the other thing that his point is making is really that. It's not just really the token that you're looking at. Sometimes it's the offering, right? Yeah. It's, it, it's, if the offering itself is a securities offering, it doesn't matter if you're truly 100% right. utility, you're still making securities offering. Yeah, that's a good point. So the two main blockchain platforms that are going to be used for STOs are Ethereum and Stellar. They have emerged as the most ideal platforms for going public with your blockchain startup. Ethereum is a blockchain development platform specifically designed for creating smart contracts and to supplement the creation of complex decentralized applications and blockchain platforms. Stellar is simply a decentralized payment transfer protocol, which executes cross-border payments and digital currency to fiat currency transfers by the usage of multiple currencies, including its own cryptocurrency, Lumens. Now, liquidity is a very tricky point. They both have, both platforms have an advantage and disadvantage. As Ethereum is most widely used platform for creating custom tokens and most of them being ERC-20 tokens, 
there are more than enough ERC-20 competent wallets and exchanges to launch, store, and trade these tokens. Thus, projects using ERC-20 tokens need not worry about liquidity anytime soon, but there are hundreds of tokens being issued each year, and all top exchanges charge a lot for issuing tokens on their platform. This results in new tokens getting listed on random exchanges and difficult for early investors to trade them. Stellar has solved this issue fundamentally, as the startups don't have to rely on third-party exchanges to list their tokens, as Stellar has its own built-in distributed exchange, or DEX, where all native tokens can be listed and available to trade since day one of their ICO slash SDO. Of course, there are only a few projects that are currently listed on Stellar Distributed Exchange and that there isn't as much activity or volume on the platform yet, but it has grown and as it grows and attracts more projects, it will become a force to be reckoned with. One of the greatest things about Stellar's decentralized exchange is it plays a major role in this one particular variable and that's transaction cost and speed. The average settlement time for Stellar transactions is five seconds, five seconds. For Ethereum, it is 3.5 minutes. This gives Stellar right now a tremendous advantage over Ethereum. The transaction fee on the Stellar network is considerably small when compared to that on the Ethereum network. An approximation states that for the fee to total one XLM, it would have to contain 100,000 transactions. That's right. This is only a fraction of the fees we usually would pay for Ethereum, which costs around 0.01%. Now, I will say Ethereum is currently working on building a faster, more proof of stake platform. And as they grow continuously, I feel they will just be right there neck and neck with Stellar on transaction cost and speed. So, I mean, I think, you know, the consensus algorithm is super useful. I mean, I think the, what's more useful if you're building on top of the platform is the stuff that we've built on top of that, right? Like what the consensus algorithm is actually agreeing on. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you're, if you're exploring, like creating, uh, like some, like basically other people have taken SCP and used it. I think MobileCoin is using it. There's a, there's a couple of projects in Korea that are using it for, for blockchains tailored for their specific use case that are, that are not uh, built just for this uh, financial infrastructure. Um, and it might be useful if people want to do that, but that's pretty low level. I think probably the more accessible thing is is building on top of what we've already done. And then there's, you know, a whole host of things that you can build there. Uh, you know, we, we don't have like full on uh, smart contracts like Ethereum does. It's not this Turing complete scripting language, but you can get pretty far. Uh, you can get, you know, basically you can do maybe I would say like 90% of the stuff you'd reasonably want to do. Um, but if you're doing something super complicated, then you would need some Turing complete language. But for most applications, you could you can use the kind of the the facilities that we have inside Stellar. So and and is is the the future plans to ever build such a Turing complete language or to provide more advanced capabilities? So I, so there's there's always this trade off between making your protocol uh, simple versus expressive. And the thing is, as you make it, uh, you know more and more complicated there's just a higher attack surface and like more things can go wrong and since what the use case we're targeting is this financial infrastructure 
we want to make sure that uh, there's as little attack surface as possible, that the thing is simple and understandable. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, we, you know, there's been obviously like lots of, uh, you know, missteps in, in Ethereum world, like the DAO and all the, like the parity hack and all these things. And that's as a result of the thing being like super complicated, right? Which you need for it to do certain things. But if you, but <clears throat> I think there's this, uh, you know, um, there's this principle in, in computer science that you want to keep things as simple as possible to do the job, right? You want to build this, these, these simple components. And, and that's kind of the, the thing that we're, we're kind of trying to stick to. Um, <clears throat> what we're working on now is actually uh, this ability to do <clears throat> kind of sub networks, because at some point uh, to reach scalability, we'll have to do different, we'll have to do things for like sharding and, and like sub networks and things like this. And it's possible that some of those will have more complete uh, scripting. They'll have like a Turing complete language, but I don't think the main net will ever have, uh, will ever, ever have stuff like that. You know, it's pretty fun to compare Ethereum and Stellar because of the glaring advantages security tokens have over other ERC-20-based digital tokens. Stellar's base abstractions such as accounts, multi-sig tokens, trust lines, payments, path payments, offers, atomic transactions consisting of multiple operations, enabling dedicated developers and purposeful investors to make right decisions, switching from fun but less and less relevant ICOs to more meaningful for the real economy security token. Unlike Ethereum, Stellar empowers digital entrepreneurs to create projects without highly skilled developers unless some specific complicated function is explicitly required. They can combine these simple abstractions in complex ways to get a wide array of behaviors similar to building custom structures with simple Lego blocks. Moreover, Ethereum employs Solidity, an internal software development language for programming smart contracts, where Stellar is an open book for virtually any computer mind. Overall, STOs will likely live on Stellar first. We know that they have a business arm called Interstellar that is working with NASDAQ and other big financial institutions. Ethereum has this capability to as well. With time, we will find out more on just how far that rabbit hole goes for Ethereum and STOs. Either or, if you're holding both Ethereum and Stellar, you are headed in the right direction for the future of STOs. And with that, let's get on to the end of the show.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the end of the show. Yeah, it was a great show. I think we learned a lot. Um, XLM, bullish. Ether, bullish. I mean, STOs, I think they're going to be the next big thing here in 2019. Wouldn't be surprised if that's what causes the next biggest bull run in history. No, seriously. I mean, if you have Ethereum and you're holding it long, if you got XLM, Stellar, and you're holding it long, and you got Bitcoin, you really can't go wrong. In my opinion, I'm just very bullish on those three. Bye, Bitcoin. Save the world. See you tomorrow. This is the end of the show.